1: You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network.
2: Well, last season at the Superdome, the 49ers and the Saints played a real barn burner 48 46. 49ers they had everybody they had Jimmy Garoppolo they had George Kittle they had Nick Bosa all of those guys made huge plays at the most critical junctures well this was a very 2020 version of that 2019 game the Saints win it 27-13 the 49ers have almost none of their big names none of the players that I just mentioned and they absolutely failed time and time again to even do the most basic things at critical junctures we're talking about muffed punts we're not even talking about dropping the punt in one of the cases. Trent Taylor—it's as simple as covering home in baseball, or, or you know, doing something really small fundamentally. Trent Taylor didn't even wave Ken Webster out of the way on one of the punts when he was clearing out room. And then we're talking about bad interceptions from Nick Mullins. I mean, we're just talking about bad, bad, bad in a game that the Saints didn't even play well in. So the 49ers, Matt, had a chance to win this game, even with how shorthanded they are. But they just, at the spots that mattered, were not a good football team today. And they dropped a four and six entering their bye.
3: Yeah, it was like a bizarro version of last year's game where you know, Shanahan looked like a, an offensive wizard, um, he looked, uh, he looked uh, terrible. He's he's getting outfoxed by the, the Saints defensive coordinator all day on Sunday. Um, you know that's largely because they they can't do the most basic thing, which is run the ball. Remember, they only rushed for fifty five yards in Week Nine against the Packers. It was forty nine today against the Saints. So that's terrible. Jarek McKinnon had seven carries today, Dennis. That were either stuff for for negative yardage or for no gain, and uh, those stretch zone runs, which is you know the bread and butter of that, that Kyle Shanahan offense, which is you know what allowed them to to jump out to early leads against the Jets, against the Giants, unstoppable. They can't run that now. Uh, they can't run it without a holding uh, penalty, a block in the back penalty. They can't get to the outside. Uh, I don't know what the issue is. Uh, Trent Williams seemed to suggest that the Saints were just ready for it. There were a lot of outside blitzes. They knew it was coming. But uh, without that, uh, there's, there's really not a lot to kind of be the foundation for this offense. And uh, uh, what they did it was squander, uh, I'm sure you saw it, uh, a really great effort by the defense uh, on Sunday. Uh, the offense and the special team squandered a really good defensive em- effort. You're exactly right. And I
1: don't understand, is there no one else on this team that can do with what a Debo can do as far as the jet sweeps, the screens, something to get on the perimeter? And today, for some reason, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he just blew up this offense, and, and he came on those corner blitzes. I mean, the 49ers just could not account for him. It was it was the weirdest thing. It, it was one, one series, you know, two plays back-to-back. He had plays in the backfield. At the end of the game, I guess there was an interview, and an offensive lineman, I don't know which one it was, he said that they hadn't seen it on film, but it was the whole first half, and they just could not get on the perimeter. I don't think McKenna's a guy you want to run in between the tackles. You gotta get something on the perimeter, but it just shows me how important, you know, a guy like Debo is uh to this offense because you haven't seen, you know, that perimeter run get to the edge. Raheem Moster. It's just weird to me that there's no one else in Kyle Shanahan's offense that he can get to do that stuff, to get on the perimeter.
2: Well, they have so many fast running backs, but they're all either on IR or unavailable. They're hoping they're going to get some of these guys back, like your Mostert, your Debo Samuel, for the Rams game after the bye, which is why the 49ers are so happy to be at the bye week, finally. The gauntlet, you know, that five-game stretch before the bye is finally over. They went two and three. But I think, you know, when you lose one of the fastest players in the NFL, like Raheem Mostert, boom, that takes away the standard outside pitch for the outside zone. So then you have to get a little bit more creative, right? And that means that you have two wide receivers and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, who you mix and match and you run reverses and, you know, different pitches from the wide receiver position to stretch the field. Well, then Debo Samuel's hurt, so you don't have him anymore. Then you just have Brandon Ayuk. And they did try to run some to the outside, but as you guys said – uh, the Saints are ready for it. They're blowing it up with C.J. Gardner-Johnson and a lot of other guys, too. I mean, they were running blitzes the 49ers hadn't seen yet. I think the natural counterbalance when that happens and you don't have Debo Samuel, you don't have Raheem Mostert, you don't have a plethora of other guys that are you know normally your weapons, and let's not forget that the 49ers don't have George Kittle, who's also their best perimeter blocker in space. He's the guy that makes a lot of these plays work. But when you don't have any of those guys, the quarterback has to be able to deliver... Uh, in a more standard way downfield. And then the 49ers are completely ill-equipped to deal with that because they're on their six-string center and their backup quarterback. And when you don't have Debo and you don't have George Kittle, you don't have guys that can run downfield either. It's just this domino effect from hell that the 49ers are dealing with. And it could be simplified by this. They don't have enough good players. Kyle Shanahan runs a complex scheme but he doesn't have the firepower to properly operate it. Now, will that change following the bye week? That's the question because they won't have their starting quarterback yet. They'll still be very low on the depth chart at center in all likelihood. But if you have Debo Samuel back, does the, the balance tilt back in the 49ers' favor? And I think, Matt, we have to look at it from, from that big picture view. Will they have enough talent to actually look competent at big situations with Debo Samuel and maybe a couple other guys back moving forward.
3: Yeah, and um, Jordan Reed had a had a nice game today. I don't think he played as much as he's going to play when, you know, the 49ers trust that he's fully back from that knee injury and you would think that coming out of the bye would be that point. So, he's another weapon that you might upgrade his uh, his snap count by, I don't know, 10, 15, 20% and he's hard to cover. Uh, and he had, uh, you know, the catch of the year for the 49ers today. I mean, that was just an amazing catch. I remember thinking, oh, that, that ball is just going to skid across the turf. And he stuck a, a paw down there. And uh, the point of the ball went right into his palm, about an inch and a half over the turf. And he somehow made it. It just kind of uh, illustrates the possibilities with Jordan Reed. You wonder what Reed and, and Kittle could have done this year. That, that, of course, is wishful thinking. But... Ah, uh, boy! A game like today's uh, really makes you think about that. So yeah, those two guys, and then and I know a lot of the fan base doesn't want to even consider this, but we're probably going to get uh, Jimmy Garoppolo back uh, in mid December. It's not going to be one of the after the bye week guys, but maybe for the final three games of the season. And um, you know, you know, the more Nick Mullins plays, a gutsy effort. He stood in there, took a lot of hits, kept popping back up. Everything you want from a courage perspective, but boy, from an arm perspective, those balls were all arriving a half a beat late, everything's contested, everything has to be a circus catch or a contested catch at the very least with Nick Mullins. He just doesn't have the arm strength, Dennis, to deliver the ball, and that was evident from start to finish in this game. You know, Nick Mullins, I just
1: don't see him as a starting quarterback, at least in this offense. And I think in this offense, you have to be very accurate and you have to be precise and be able to throw down the field at some point. He's interesting to me because after these games, he always makes comments about, you know, I can make those throws all day or I I need to make this throw that way. Well, if you see it, you know, make it happen. That's what you do. That's Your job. And the book on him is that he stares down receivers. And a couple of those picks, I think he was just staring down the receiver. So that's something all the great quarterbacks do well. You're able to move safeties with your eyes, you know, move linebackers, and you don't stare things down. That's just quarterback 101.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
2: Hey guys, I think we should zoom out and emphasize that the Saints were not world beaters today. Remember coming into this game, the Saints were the talk of the NFL. They had beaten Tampa Bay 38-3 to last Sunday. Uh, Tampa Bay was previously considered the best team in the NFL. Now a lot of people thought that that the Saints were at the top of the pecking order because they play balanced football. They play offense, defense and special teams and obviously all three of those phases came out in a good way for the Saints today, but not until after the 49ers uh, I thought really let them uh, get into the flow of this game. Consider how this started. Kyle Shanahan scripts the first 24 plays of each game. He likes to script the first 24, and a lot of the times he looks really good when he does that, including today where the 49ers went on a 13-play, 75-yard touchdown drive to open the game. It took the first half of the first quarter. Dream scenario, right, for the 49ers. They're up 7-0. Then they're up 10-0 at the start of the second quarter, and Drew Brees only has three passing yards. The Saints didn't even have a first down until the 49ers were up two possessions in this game. So it was an absolutely ideal by-the-book start for the 49ers. They actually ended up outgaining the Saints on the whole game. They're averaging more yards per play. If you look at just the numbers, it's like, oh, Kyle Shanahan was able to implement what he wanted. But the problem is, and it goes back to what you guys were saying, Nick Mullins couldn't execute when it really mattered. And instead of just not executing, he made critical errors when it really mattered including that interception to Malcolm Jenkins and then the 49ers uh, you talk about the Saints balance on offense defense and special teams well the 49ers failed miserably on special teams when they're up 10-0 they gave up a 75-yard kick return where Mitch Wisnowski just ran into Jimmy Ward and eliminated both guys from the play and that kick return got the Saints going they scored 27 unanswered points after that return and then the 49ers muffed two punts. Shanahan said it himself, completely unacceptable. If you make two of those three plays, Matt, which I think are all basic plays for the 49ers, they're right in this game till the very end, no matter how you know many problems they have that we've been talking about. The bottom line is this game was ugly and the 49ers, I think, left one out there on the table.
3: Yeah, and that was what Shanahan's theme was after the game. It was a blown opportunity. I didn't think that they were going to win this game. However, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, I just felt like after the Saints blew out the Buccaneers and the 49ers had the, the long week, that they would show this kind of spark. And after they went up 10 nothing, I was thinking, okay, they're up 10 nothing, But, you know, this is going to be one of those games where Drew Brees, you know, battles back in, in the second half, and the Saints will win that way. Well, when Brees was knocked out of the game, when I saw that Jameis Winston, the guy who threw three picks had a 45.4 passer rating last year when the 49ers beat him and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in, in week one, was the new quarterback. I was thinking, huh, there's a real possibility here that the 49ers win this game. And they just couldn't muster anything on offense. They were down seven points at that point. But the defense never really broke in this game, despite... Everything you just illustrated, David, all of the special teams lapses that gave the Saints just wonderful field position. Look at these lines. Michael Thomas was uh, targeted seven times. He had two catches for 27 yards. It was just an outstanding game from the the front line, putting pressure on the quarterbacks. Uh, Jason Verrett had a strong game. Emmanuel Mosley had a strong game. Tarvarius Moore being inserted at strong safety for Jakowski Tart was a, a brilliant move it's one that people have been asking for for weeks and weeks and the 49ers finally did it and it looked really smart in this game but again goes back to the offense just not being able to hold up it's end of the deal. And when you play a
1: you know a team like like the Saints like you said Dave I mean they were the hottest team they were, they were playing the best they they dismantled the buccaneers. Now you come into their house and if you don't play your best game, a good team, they don't need to do much. I think in the first half, the Saints only had about 90 yards of offense, yep. but they were still up. And it doesn't help on special teams when you give up 17 points. Those two muffs and then that kickoff return, that stresses out your defense uh, and it makes it tough. Yes, the defense stood up, but then on the you know, offensive side, I'm thinking about this fourth and one when you line up in, you know, you line up in a shotgun <laughs> Uh, And then you have your guard miss a block and just, you know, there goes fourth and one. And now you go back down the field, give up another three points or a touchdown. I mean, you have to play four quarters in a football game. You have to play, you know, offense, defense, and special teams. And especially when you're playing a good team. This is a good team. You know, when Jamison came in and, you know, he did what he does. He almost threw a pick. Jimmy Ward hasn't catch the ball. I mean, you have to capitalize on these opportunities. And a good team... Doesn't need much if they're playing a team that doesn't capitalize on opportunities.
2: Let's talk about the most important yard of the game. You just mentioned it, Dennis. The 49ers couldn't pick it up on that fourth and one. That was at the two-minute warning. It was actually a third and one and then the fourth and one, so they failed twice in a row. But what had happened right before the third down is they got 11 yards to Brandon Ayuk, who was just short of the marker, and the ball was right at midfield, right? So the score is tied at 10. Two-minute warning is coming up. Ball's at midfield, and the 49ers had already been on the field for eight plays in that drive. So the Saints weren't definitely weren't totally fresh. And the 49ers had a chance to snap the ball before the two-minute warning. I fully think that if you're playing a good, balanced defense like the Saints are and you're the underdog, the 49ers, you want to take advantage of that defense being a little bit winded. And I thought the 49ers were rushing back to the line to to run a quick quarterback sneak to keep the line moving because if they pick up that first down, New Orleans – probably doesn't get the ball back in the first half. So even if you don't score, it's a win. You go into halftime, you're tied at 10. Instead, the 49ers just sit there and try to draw them off sides with a hard count. It obviously doesn't work. Gives the Saints full chance to regroup. They're totally ready for a third and one play action and then, Dennis, as you said, they blow up the fourth and one. I mean, there was a lot of plays that the 49ers missed opportunities on that changed the game, but I thought that was the most important yard of the game. Because when the 49ers didn't get it, the Saints took four plays to score going the other way and they never looked back. Matt, I just didn't like the attitude there from the 49ers. I thought that you get up there and you run that next play. You're you're moving the ball. Don't sit there before the two-minute warning. And I thought that, you know, staling it out really cost them.
3: Yeah, sometimes the best play is just a a simple quarterback sneak on those. Maybe you you follow Lake and Tomlinson, your veteran left guard on that. But yeah, it seemed like the 49ers sort of uh, out-thought themselves on that one. The Saints had all that outside stuff covered. So that, that third down play was, you know, rolling Nick Mullins out to the right. The Saints covered it beautifully. And then the second one, as Dennis noted... Colton McKibbitts just went the wrong way on the block. People are wondering why, uh, you know, rookies aren't getting a lot of play this year. Charlie Warner, Colton McKibbitts, you know, no no offseason, uh, an abbreviated training camp. That's what you get. They're trying to work Colton McKibbitts into the flow. They're trying to see whether he's the right guard of the future for this team. And um, that's one of the repercussions of that. You're sort of kind of teaching this guy on the fly. <laughs> he's in there. He's alternating with the veteran at that point, but uh, that's one of the, sort of the growing pains that you're going to suffer. And uh, boy, Dennis, they suffered it at the most inopportune time in this game.
1: Yeah, and there's another point in this game. I mean, a hit on Drew Brees, the rough and the passer. You know, I saw it a couple times and I, I still don't get it. I don't, well, I guess I do. I do want players, some players to be hurt. I, I can't lie. But that was another opportunity for the 49ers to capitalize. Now you're playing against a backup quarterback. Yeah, he was a number one uh, overall pick, but you know, he throws picks, that's what he does. So there's more opportunities, and then that's more momentum at that point because that was a third down, and then now you got a first down, and it turns into uh seven points.
2: So many, so many of those, and Shanahan was definitely lamenting it afterward. But uh, you know, we do emphasize looking at this from the the more overhead view and you know entering this game it stood out to me that Kyle Shanahan was I don't want to say defeatist but I think he was really realistic entering this game I think he's been realistic over the past couple of weeks given the 49ers health situation and, and he knew that it was going to be tough sledding and he acknowledged entering this game that the 49ers were going to you know I think really have to squeeze out a win they're probably going to need a few breaks to do it You could tell that uh, they were acknowledging inside their building that they're definitely the underdogs in this game and that they were looking at this as, hey, we got to get to the bye week. Maybe we squeak out a win, but if we don't, then hopefully we get healthy after the bye week and then we go on a run. So I think from the larger picture, despite the fact that the 49ers missed so many opportunities in this game, in the larger picture, they did hold serve. So they get beat by the better, healthier team in the Saints. They're four and six now, and, and you have to look at positives if you're the 49ers. You have to say, hey, We're going to get healthier. We get to play the Rams who we've already beaten after we come out of the bye week. And if you're the 49ers, you can say that some good stuff happened for you as far as development of young guys in this game. We could talk about Colton McKivitz's bad play, but we also have to talk about Javon Kinlaw's first career sack or how about Javon Kinlaw's pass breakup or Javon Kinlaw's big run stop on third down. I mean, Javon Kinlaw did stuff in all – three phases of the game today for a defensive lineman. And I thought he was really impressive. And Matt, if the 49ers are going to make a run down the stretch after this bye week, guys like Javon Kinlar are going to have to be a big part of it. He's going to have to make that maturation into his sophomore year. And maybe we saw that today.
3: Yeah, for sure. We've been seeing the physicality all season, Now he's starting to make plays and he had a nice play. This is sort of an under the radar play where he sort of sniffed out a, a Saint screenplay. I think it was to Alvin Kamara. Just kind of shows you that he's learning. He is smart. Those two things plus all the physicality means that he's going to be a good football player. So I think this was sort of a, a sigh of relief for the 49ers. Um, DeForest Buckner was featured on primetime earlier in the week on the Thursday game. He had a he had a really good game, and it sort of underscored that trade. It, it highlighted that trade. The athletic also did a big feature. The Indianapolis writer did a big feature on DeForest Buckner, uh, where he's he was sort of resentful about the trade. He noted how bad the 49ers were when he um, entered the league when he joined the team in 2016 and talked about you know trying to, to build the culture and he felt like he had uh, helped do that for the 49ers and then they go and trade him to the Colts so the imagery wasn't good for the 49ers entering this game Javon Kinlaw made the imagery look really good. He had the game of his season so far and Contavia uh, Street also had what looked like his first sack of his career So uh, just about everybody on that defensive line, Eric Armstead, again, Dennis, um, (laughs) didn't make a lot of plays in this game. He seemed to be flagging a bit. He's played hard to this point, but he's one guy that didn't show up. Deion Jordan didn't show up. That's sort of going to be a theme, I think, over the the next uh, six weeks or the final six weeks is the 49ers are going to learn something about who their players are. Who who they need to have on this on this field next next season? I think that's going to be a real opportunity for some of these younger guys.
1: Yeah, and you know we're, we're going to talk about Eric Armstead until he has a three sack game, uh, because all the focus is on him. He just has to keep fighting. There's a lot on his shoulders. He doesn't have his outside rushers. He doesn't have his Oregon Duck buddy, DeForest Buckner, but he's got Kinlaw. And my advice to him, Kinlaw, would be to watch tape on DeForest, watch how he plays mm. that interior D-line, watch how he gets off blocks, watch how he uses his hands, and And I saw some of that today, I mean, we know the potential, we saw what he did in college, if he can continue to play with like 100% like he did today, he was he was running down the field, he was scrappy today, if he can continue to do that, he's going to continue to get better.
2: Well, he could definitely pick up some of those pass rushing moves from DeForest Buckner, even the first sack today for Javon Kinlaw uh, it didn't really feature much of a pass-rushing move. It was a pure effort sack. He yeah. was just backing the guard up, backing the guard up, and then Taysom Hill held onto the ball for too long, and he got him. Uh, I thought the really impressive play – I liked the pass breakup, but I thought the really impressive play was the run stop on third and two. Andrews P – okay, so this is kind of funny. I, I, I used to cover Stanford, and there's two players that I've seen in person that I have – Said that their legs look like pillars of granite because these guys have been so big. And the very first guy was Andrews Pete, who used to be a lineman for Stanford, now with the Saints, he's their left guard. I saw that guy back in 2012. I'm like, oh my God, pillars of granite. This guy was huge. And then I'd never said that about a player again until I saw Javon Kinlaw with the 49ers. As far as just sheer size of two guys, Javon Kinlaw and Andrews Pete reminded me a lot of each other. Well, if you watch that run stop, Javon Kinlaw just shoves Andrews Pete out of the way like it's nothing. And then he just steps up there and and makes the tackle. I don't know if it was on Camara or whoever, but it was just prodigious strength that, you know, I I never saw anything like that from Buckner. I, I saw really pretty, you know, swim moves from Buckner and arm over and all that he did in the pass rush, which is obviously where Kinlaw has to get better. But the raw strength I just saw on that that tackle for loss. So I thought that was cool. Then you have to talk about Brandon Ayuk on the offensive side of the ball. Matt, whenever the ball goes toward Ayuk, it seems that something good happens. And I don't think this guy can make a catch without adding at least three or four yards after the catch. He just seems like there's some kind of force field on the ground that prevents him from falling down right away. He's always able to get a little bit extra, and that should pair really well with what Shanahan's trying to do uh, as the season progresses.
3: Yeah, he had another TD today, and uh, it was another – you know, close to the goal line touchdown, and the 49ers, Kendrick Bourne has supplied some of that last year, but they don't really have a go-to guy down there. You know, to your point, yeah, he's got that after-the-catch ability, the the slant, the uh, the crossing route stuff that's so important to the Shanahan offense. He also has some wiggle, uh, and he's and he's embarrassed some uh, some veteran cornerbacks this year. And he's only a rookie. So the two first rounders, it was a very, very good game for both of them. So I'm sure John Lynch and Adam Peters and uh, Martin Mayhew in the 49ers front office are, are happy about that. The other thing that made him look smart is just looking up right now what Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders had one catch for five yards in this game. So Ayuk is the replacement for Sanders. Obviously, you'd you'd love to have a veteran on this team, a veteran-wide receiver for the 49ers. But Ayuk's uh, potential is pretty off the charts right now. And, uh, you know, we've talked about the the limitations at at quarterback. The 49ers have uh, their starter back in there. And I'm not saying that it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo next year. I'm pretty sure it is. But that's a nice pairing to look forward to once that group is together, and I think that's the that's the thing that 49ers fans need to to hold on to when when everyone is healthy. And I know that that is a huge asterisk because it never seems to happen. But boy, there's a lot of talent on this team, and and Ayuk, I think Dennis is is part of that talent group now.
1: And I think he's going to be a superstar in this league. I, I just watch the way he he carries himself on the field. He doesn't he doesn't play like a rookie. I don't know much about the receiving position, but it seems like He's a good route runner. You don't see him make many mistakes. Uh, you don't see him taking hits. And you see him as advertised. He's he's a yak guy. He's going to catch the ball and he's going to get you those extra yards. So, like you said, when everyone's healthy, all the weapons are there. Um, this team can be explosive. Right now, I think he's a star of this offense right now, even with a backup quarterback. Because when the ball's in his hands, you can expect big things, explosive plays uh, down the field. And, and just, I think about this touchdown and then, you know, he, he goes in orbit motion. He comes back, he goes back, he goes back, and there he is, wide open. I mean, he's a guy that needs to be featured. You can lean on him right now. Hopefully, guys come back. But right now, he's a superstar of this offense.
2: He is. And I think it's a great point. That initial 49ers blueprint for this season was to stay obviously healthier than they have been. But for them to actually maybe even be better than last season had they stayed healthier if Brandon Ayuk started exceeding Emmanuel Sanders' level of production as he became more comfortable down the stretch, and if Javon Kinlaw could start to at least approximate the impact that the force Buckner had. Maybe not quite be there, but but be a force. And hey, this was the second game of the second half of the of the season, and... You have both Ayuk and Javon Kinlaw, your two first-round draft picks, making the type of impact that the 49ers wanted to make. Now, obviously, that's just viewing it in a vacuum. Since everything else is on fire around them, it, it didn't help the 49ers win the game. But had this season gone a little bit more normally, you could see what the 49ers were hoping to do there. And before we wrap up, I got to ask Dennis about this. Dennis, how upset would you have been if you were Contavia Street? And that flag was thrown. It was Ahmad Brooks part two, right? That might have been the hit that knocked Drew Reese out, but it it looked pretty clean to me. And Kyle Shanahan, nobody was happy about it after the game. I wonder what what you were thinking as a former defensive lineman.
1: I don't think they really explained what the penalty was. Um, If you watch the play, he did everything perfect. It was a bear hug. You know, the dude weighs 290 pounds. He bounces off an offensive lineman with the quarterback, in his grasp, and he falls on the ground. It's called gravity. It's not piling on. Uh, I understand that, you know, the injuries, they want to protect the quarterback, but that's a basic play. If you can't play like that in the NFL, you might as well turn into, to to a passing league. The rules are the rules. That was awful. That was, like I said earlier, that changed the momentum of the game because the Saints were able to go down and score a touchdown. But that is what you're taught. I mean, he, he beats a guy... One-on-one, he gets the edge, and he sacks the quarterback. And he falls on top. I don't, he, You can't slide off the, the side. I mean, it's a bang-bang thing. And that's just, it is what it is. It makes me a little upset because that's uh, interior lineman's dream, is to sack a quarterback up the gut one-on-one against a guard and and bring him to the ground. So I, I it makes me upset. But that's NFL, and, and you want to protect quarterbacks, and you definitely want to protect... Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Well,
2: to pour a little bit of salt in that wound for 49ers fans, that play wouldn't have happened had they not muffed the first punt. So remember, bad mistakes have domino effects. That's That led to the Saints' first touchdown, right? And that first touchdown's not coming if the 49ers are just able to make a basic play. And that one actually goes back to Trent Taylor not waving his own guys out of the way, which immediately got Trent Taylor replaced by Richie James at punt returner. The 49ers were not happy with, with that effort on that play. So uh, bad errors seem to compound on on each other and uh, bad errors also seem much more frequent when, a lot of good players are, are missing. It seems to have that downstream effect that the 49ers are certainly suffering. However, they will be entering their much-needed bye week. They hope to get some of these guys back. They won't get Jimmy Garoppolo back yet, but some of the players will return on 29th against the Rams and uh, the 49ers' season's on the line. They are 4-6, and six, and they still do have a little bit to play for with that extra playoff spot this year. So we'll see uh, how this progresses. Anyway, the Saints beat the 49ers 27-13. to 13. We will talk to you guys next time.